Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode eight of Orion's Belt, a games industry podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Lance Tallman. And I'm one of your hosts, Connor Ball. And today we're going to be talking about designing support classes in team-based games. Yeah, so support classes in team-based games. This is a, a topic that I think is really, really prevalent right now in the games industry because a lot of the most popular games are cooperative games, especially with COVID um, coming out of the pandemic. Everyone's trying to cling to their friends and play games that are team-based, uh, not necessarily cooperative, but in groups or like maybe versus team-based, whatever it may be. And typically in games like that, you have some sort of player who takes on the role of a support. And that can be a little bit contentious as it turns out. Yeah, it turns out that not everyone wants to play the support. And so when you decide to design a role like that to your game, you might not be getting enough players playing that role. Yeah, and we're going to pretty much unpack that. So let's jump to our overview. So first, we're going to talk about what is a supportive class. If everything I just said made no sense, well, we're going to lay it out for you right there. Then we're going to cover what the problem is. So why are support classes problematic or what makes a support class problematic? And then how do we design around typical support class problems, making the support role better in general? We're going to talk about some strategies and then our concluding thoughts and future looking um, topics that we think are going to be effective, maybe a few things that we think can actually better the support uh, or support class design going forward. So let's jump right in. Connor, do you want to introduce the, the first topic? Oh, never mind. I'm first supposed to give a definition. So what is a supportive class? So we're defining a supportive class as a class, so some sort of um, archetypal uh, design or ability set uh, in a game. So if we're thinking about many team-based shooters, it's usually some sort of character that you're assigned. That's the class. So a class whose primary responsibility is to assist another class or player. Um, and so that's what we're talking about when we, just, when we discuss supports. Yeah. And, you know, that's a role that is something that's common and it's like a, a natural thing to add into a game. But there is a problem. And that's what we're going to talk about first. So what's the problem? Why, why, do you, why, are the, why is the support class not super popular? Um, and basically, if I were to put it in a few sentences, is that if you're playing as a support player, you are not nearly impacting the game as much as your teammates. They are objectively doing more to help either further or lessen your team to win. And by objectively, I should maybe say more with like actual like numbers wise, like they're doing more damage, they're able to achieve more things uh, by themselves. So it seems as if the support's not doing as much. Um, I think a great way to put this is that if you were be if you could choose between being the superhero and the sidekick, you want to be the you want to be the superhero because as the superhero, you know you got more of the spotlight. You're, you're doing more things. You've got more impact and the sidekick's there to help, but they're just there to help. Who wants to do that? Yeah, I would say the vast majority of players want to be Batman instead of Robin, right? Exactly. Um, but with that said, there is always going to be a small subset of players who either are looking for a, a little bit less intense game or maybe not even a less intense play experience. They just want to, they just gain a lot of um, stress and happiness by... Um, supporting another player. But as you'll see why this is problematic, uh, inherently that's not a problem. That is perfect. Those are the players we want playing the support roles. But unfortunately, there's just not enough of those players. Yeah, because... from what you've seen, there's just, in games like this, they're just, it seems to be that most players or more players don't want to play that supportive role. And it's usually the vast majority don't want to, right? You usually have, if you encounter a support player or if you have a friend who loves to play support, it's awesome because they fill two niches. One, they always take the class that nobody else wants to play and they do a better job at that class than everybody else, which is so good. So when we're looking at this and why supports become problematic, one of the biggest problems and kind of the, the catalyst for why this is a problem is because fundamentally not enough people enjoy supporting other players. Um, with no incentives and you'll, you'll see what we mean if we're, we're talking about like just directly helping somebody else at the cost of your own engagement and practically that doesn't really happen or we're trying to get to a spot where that's not the case so more players are enticed to play supports um but we'll get we'll get into that you want to kind of break it down connor yeah so 
Well, before I break it down, actually, I do want to talk about and maybe more philosophical reason as to why supports usually aren't as possible uh, as popular um in these games where you are queuing up you're usually playing with people you don't know or the majority is that people that you don't know and if you're looking kind of from a standpoint of human behavior or something like that you're never supporting someone you don't know or supporting anything that you don't really have a lot of control over or don't or are uncertain about is just going to be less it's just going to be less, you know, appealing. And that's just with anything. I mean, and so with that said, we're going to talk about exactly why and how that kind of translates over. And so the first thing is necessary reliance, right? When you're playing as a support character, you're relying on someone else to do something. Without them, you're useless. Yeah, and I mean, even if you're not useless, you are so effectively reduced. Like, you're so much lower. You're just not on equal footing by by any means with your opponents. Um, hence the name support, right? Like, there has to be some sort of necessary reliance or you wouldn't be a support. You'd just be another individual. Yeah. And then, and I kind of just already said this, but the partnership dynamics. So when you are supporting someone, there is an inherent, it's me and you, we're partners in this. I'm helping you so you can do better. When there's random, when you're playing with random people, it's just not going to be nearly as appealing. Um, you have to make sure you have communication. And in games, that can be a really hard thing to do. You have a podcast episode on designing effective communication systems because something that you need in games. So you can also check that out. Um, but yeah, communication is key. Trust is key. And like I said before, you can just be uncertain as to how they play, what they do, and you don't want to support something that you just don't really know anything about. That's just going to, it just doesn't seem nearly as fun. Totally. And I mean, it makes sense, right? If I'm going to sit down to play a game of pretty much any team-based game where I'm going to play the supporting character, my job is to make someone else better. If I'm with the person, like say I'm in a Discord call with them or voice chats are facilitated in the game and we're playing together i'm gonna be like oh connor i'm your support like let's just do this this will be great i trust that connor is gonna make decisions that have my best interests at heart if i don't know the person i trust that they're going to want to win the game and so to a point i know our interests are aligned but my direct best interest maybe an enemy's coming for me is this guy gonna you know stand in front um or, you know, evade to get us both out of there? Or is it going to be up to me to sacrifice, you know, like really pull the team down? And it's it's different when it's two people on equal footing, but this really is kind of like a quid pro quo deal, right? Like I'm giving up some of my power to make you more powerful mm -hmm. intrinsically by choosing this role. Mm -hmm. And so that mutual respect is really important. And it's not something you always have going into, excuse me, a support role. Yeah. Um, the next one is just kind of, and this is just based off of the support role and just kind of inherently within the design is gameplay impact so kind of like we said earlier if you're playing a support and you're alone or you're by yourself or you know like you're just against one other player you're usually not gonna fare well like it's required that you are helping someone uh, or you're with somebody and this goes both ways too that if the people that you're helping or are with are also doing really bad it almost feels like even if you are performing well sucks to suck the people that you're supporting aren't doing well so nothing you can do about it and that can feel that can give you a feeling of helplessness as like there's nothing i, I can do to help us you know achieve our goals of winning the game yeah definitely i mean we're gonna address how to how games kind of address this problem in a minute but inherently exactly as connor's saying right like you have to be you're helpless in a lot of regards without your um carry or the person you're supporting and it makes sense right you're there to make them better and exactly as i just said you have to give up something to make them better um so in that regard yeah helplessness is a huge huge factor and in a way that kind of detracts from the next thing which is the needed technical skill to play a support character and so ideally if you're creating a good game there should be like a high skill ceiling for every single position or class that anyone can play, right? Like, not necessarily that's the viable skill range, but you should be able to improve to a certain degree no matter what role you're playing. But as is often the case, if you're playing somebody um, 
like Widowmaker in Overwatch, who is a sniper. You have to have good aim, right, to shoot a sniper rifle at somebody. Conversely, if you're playing a support like Mercy, you have a lock-on staff that heals people, and you just have to like look in their general direction to heal them. Now, that's not to discredit the nuances to support ability uses, uh, usages, um, their, their gameplay effect, and how they can actually contribute and bolster a team, but the technical skill required to play them in, in those regards, if we're talking about aiming or anything like that, and sometimes even ability usage. Sometimes you'll have an ability on somebody, let's just use Widowmaker, this sniper, she has a grappling hook, right? Mercy, um, this other character with the staff, the support equivalent, is literally just, you can press shift to uh, move and like fly all the way over um, to the other person, which is fundamentally easier than having to land a grappling hook, right? So there sometimes is even a disparity in regard to uh, the technical skill needed for ability usage. So that's another problem and reason that a lot of people don't play supports because maybe it's less fun or as we'll get to in a moment, maybe a little bit less flashy. Yeah, and so I think that these are some pretty, these are some fair reasons as to why supports aren't nearly as popular or like the main problems with them. And I do want to say that when you're having these class or role-based systems, um, you obviously are going to have pros and cons for every class and role. And those pros and cons are going to basically adhere to different play styles because everyone wants to play the game differently. Um, and as long as they're varied enough, uh, but all fun, you know, then usually it'll your player base will balance out into all of them. But the reason that in these games support seems to not be equaled out with everything else is because you don't have that flair. You really don't have that ability to say, look how good I'm doing, or really just kind of show yourself or anyone else that you're making really big plays and, you know, doing a lot of damage, really like making it so the team is going towards their goal. You all like with a support role, I would say exclusively to other roles in games, usually, you need somebody. Almost all other roles can be played, usually, to, you know, if you're doing really, really good, you can kind of just do your own thing. And it feels bad if you always have to rely on somebody else if you're playing a game, especially if that person's playing poorly or, you know, I don't know, maybe they're being toxic or anything like that. There's just factors outside your control, and that's inherently... Mm -hmm dispowering i don't think that's a word but you know underpowering uh, the opposite of empowering you know? <laughs> um so yeah so i mean we have a bullet here called lance and connor's thoughts but i mean all of these are our thoughts so this bullet's not it's just to add any additional information um and maybe stuff that, something that we find a little bit more subjective rather than objective so i think for me uh i am a support player by the way i love playing support it's super fun to set other people up for plays and i think for me the reason is i don't have a lot of technical skill in some regards um i don't know i'm just like not as good as aim at aiming as other people and it's really nice to have a role in a game where that's not the important part of the kit uh, i play somebody like alistar who is a character from league of legends where my main job is to basically knock people into the air for my for the person i'm supporting to just shoot and blast down um, so they can get the kill and I set them up for that. And that's really nice because I don't have to shoot them. I can just set somebody else up for that. And that's objectively easier for me to do because I have to use less inputs and less clicking, um, to do that. And so I really enjoy that, but there's obviously less flair. Like I'm not the one on my team who's going 30 and O at 30 kills, zero deaths, right? Because I've killed their whole enemy team. That's just not who I am. Maybe I am having a really great game and I have, zero kills, zero deaths, and like 40 assists. So I've helped set up 40 kills, but I don't get that gold injection. I don't get the the immediate buffs from getting all those kills. The serotonin exactly <laughs> injections from the game, yeah. Um, and I guess for me, the biggest thing is that it feels like, I mean, this is inherent in all team-based games, but I think it's accentuated with support roles is that even if you're playing well, but your teammates are playing poorly or the people you're supposed to be supporting are playing poorly, it just is that much more obvious that you can't do anything. Because, I mean, it can already be, you know, if your team's not doing as well as they could be, you can still feel like, okay, well, you know, if I do this, this, and this, then maybe we can get the upper hand. But when you're a support, it's even harder to do that. Yeah, like carry potential to mm -hmm. 
you know, put the team on your back and walk up that hill is way harder as a support because you just don't have the utility built into your, your kit to actually do that. Yeah. So now we're going to talk about these problems and how you can design around them to make everything seem more appealing. And as a disclaimer here, you can't, you shouldn't get rid of these inherent problems because then you're kind of taking away what it means to be a support, right? If you want to have a support role in your game, it's inherent that that role needs to support others. Because I will say, I also do enjoy playing support every now and then. And when it does shine, I, you know, my player is doing well, they're trying their best, or maybe I'm playing with one of my friends who I know, it can feel really, really fun and gratifying to support somebody else. But just with how online games are set up, that can be harder to achieve all the time. So we're going to talk about things that you can do to make these problems less apparent because the support role honestly just needs a little bit more love to get that appeal into the general populace. Yeah, but in game studies, it's called the concept of Nachess, N-A-C-H-E-S, Nachess, Nachess, something like that. And it's the whole idea that helping somebody else is just as rewarding, if not more rewarding than like sorry, helping somebody else solve a problem is just as rewarding, if not more rewarding than solving the problem yourself. Um, and those players who get that enjoyment, the feeling of Nakes, um, from a support role, that's exactly who we want, like in the role. But as Connor said, sometimes that's, people need more than that intrinsic, like need to help other people to um, enjoy the role. So that leads us to our first topic, which is necessary reliance. We're literally gonna kind of restate everything we just said and give, these solutions and the first bullet point is you can't fully remove it right exactly as connor said to remove the reliance the support has on their carry removes the idea of a support then you're just two individuals um, your support because there's some sort of quid pro quo uh, arrangement where i'm going to sacrifice something to make you better um, and hopefully the sum of the uh you're better than the sum of your parts like combined right together better than separate so to bolster this and to, to make the necessary reliance feel a little bit better, the best way to do it is not to directly take from me, right? If I am, if we are two people who have the exact same abilities and all I do is statistically lower Connor's damage and raise mine, that sucks. Like that just feels bad. No one's ever really going to want to do that. So the best way to do it is to create what we're calling alternative supportive strategies, um, which are distinct from the carries. So the person being supported, their regular play style. And Connor, do you want to give kind of an example of what this would look like? Yeah. So the biggest thing with this is that you want your supporting strategies to be distinct from what the player you're supporting is actually doing. And what I mean by that is that if you have, let's say you have a certain class, let's say they're the, the carry, right? So they're supposed to dish out a lot of damage, but they're vulnerable, maybe something like a glass cannon. If, you're, if all of your abilities as a support are just strictly related to, I'm going to make what you do just better. It's not going to feel that good, right? Like you're just there to make them do what they're already doing just you're, in a better way. You're not mitigating any of their yeah. weaknesses yeah. in any regard. You're, you're just amplifying their strengths. You're just amplifying their strengths. So instead you want to play around maybe certain styles that they don't necessarily have access to right so and this kind of goes into game design when you're designing a game obviously you want to give different you want to give players you know different ways to gain the upper hand right and so what you should do with the support class is add those really like like swingy um gameplay mechanics to you know turn a fight or really make it so you're gonna win instead of them and put it onto the support and that way, the support, the 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 players that need that are being supported need the support, right? Or they're going to be doing so much better if they have the support doing whatever that is that they almost need the support too. And at that point, that's when you're kind of making it that they rely on you. You want to make it go both ways. You want to make it that without you, I have something. I have I don't have access to something. If they're just if if the support's just strictly making you better, then without them, like you're still good. You could be great, but you're not good. Instead, without them, oh, you have something that you don't have something that you could have that would really, really make, you know, your gameplay experience better or the fight go better or whatever it is. 
So we're calling this mutualistic reliance via indirect support. Um, and I, I think that's really apt because it, to make support more engaging, the mutualistic reliance is like an indirect way to make you feel more like you're on an even playing field with your carry. Um, and that's that's really important. It's exactly what Connor's saying. You you want to leverage the utility to set yourself up for, for better success. Uh, so the next thing, which this is also very much intrinsic to the idea of a support, is partnership dynamics. And so partnership dynamics, as we mentioned earlier, right, you're in a support relationship, which means you have to have some sort of relationship with your carry. Fundamentally, you can't just ignore them or you're not supporting them. I guess you could support other people, but then that other person's becoming your carry. Um, so that's that's the like the intrinsic thing that you can't actually change. So there's no direct solution um, as we're calling it. And so the biggest solution to this and to keep in mind, these all these are all direct solutions to these problems. We're going to have a section after this where we talk about the general overarching problems that are more solvable, I guess is a better way to put it. But to mitigate this weakness, we talk about the infrastructure that needs to be in the game to encourage team play and communication. So exactly as Connor said, in our designing effective communication systems episode, we talk all about what makes a good a communication system and how you can facilitate dialogue on a team. And that's super, super important, but it's not necessarily something related to the gameplay in most team-based games. That's definitely can be a gameplay component, but it's usually not. Um, it's more like a meta or infrastructure component, which is what we're talking about. So making that better will automatically um, mitigate this weakness a little bit, right? I mean, you still have to take the initiative to talk to your carry, but it's at least going to you know solve this problem to a degree. Oh, yeah. Um, and another way that's a little more less ind indirect because again like we said there's not there's not like a direct way to solve the you know you need to develop a partnership is providing what you can do is that if you can provide incentives to engaging in that partnership or an incentive to be in the supportive role and kind of just you know try to do it you know kind of stick through it so that way you can get more players playing that role and this is to say, this also addresses the problem that many games have. And okay, to preface both of these, this is what Connor and I are calling a Band-Aid solution. Um, and we'll discuss what we think is the actual solution later. But, and we're discussing this because many games have done this. Uh, League of Legends and Overwatch, which are kind of the two games that we're going to pull from a lot for this discussion, have implemented this uh, design ability, which is the idea of autofill and the priority pass. And both of these systems are gameplay related systems that encourage people provide incentives for players to play the support role who otherwise wouldn't if you're a support player who plays the support role these pretty much will never apply because you're already filling the need that the game has for people to play that role so i'm going to explain how the priority system or the priority pass system in overwatch works so the dps which is the damage dealing carry role in overwatch is so popular for a variety of reasons, a lot of which I think are the developer's fault. Um, but it is so popular in the player base that you can queue for a game of Overwatch and have to wait 20 minutes just to find a game where you can play the damage-dealing DPS character. And this is obviously a problem. And it's not because there aren't enough people playing. It's because all of the people want to play one role and not all of the people obviously but a super majority of the people want to play this dps role and very few people want to play tank and support which are which are these supportive roles so to solve this issue blizzard implemented this system called the priority pass system which in some ways makes a lot of sense but it we call it a band-aid solution because it doesn't actually address the fundamental design problem with this so what they did is if you are a dps player but you play support you get what's called a priority pass. And that priority pass is used to give you preference over other DPS players who haven't recently played the support role. And so it lowers your queue time for helping out the community by playing support in a game or two. So conceptually, oh, this is a great idea. We can get more people to play support. DPS players can lower their queue times and play more DPS games. Great, no problems. There's no problems at all, Connor. Connor's smiling at me. Um, obviously this causes some problems. Uh, because what happens is you hop in a game, say you're a DPS, and your supports are terrible. Likely, what's causing this is it's two DPS players who are being forced to play a role they don't want to play, who are just kind of like slogging through this game just to get it over with and grab that priority pass. 
then when they get to play DPS, the exact same thing happens. And it's like this vicious cycle of non-productive gameplay. Do you want to talk about this at all, Connor? Yeah, because if you're being forced into or incentivized into playing the support role, okay, fine, maybe you take the incentive, you take the treat, and you're like, all right, fine, I'll Mm -hmm. play support for a game. Well, you're not a support player, so that's not going to be your best role. Also, you don't want to play support. You want to play a damage-dealing character, but in order to do that in a timely manner so you don't have to wait so long, you got to go play support. So that means when you're playing as that support, it's just... It sucks. You it don't sucks. want to. You don't want to. And you might even just like not really care. You're like, oh, I don't really care about this game. I'm just playing as a support. I'm just doing this so the next game I can play as a damage-dealing person. Well, if that's the case, okay, great. You get out of the support game. Maybe you lost because you weren't playing that well. Didn't really care. You get into the next game. You have your priority pass. Boom. Now you're dealing the damage. Well, the person who's supposed to be supporting you, which is a design of the game, you need your supports, right? Yep. Well, they're in the same spot. They're also a damage-dealing person who wants to play damage-dealing characters but can't. So they played support and didn't really care and didn't want to. And so then you just – you have people filling the role but not because they want to and not effectively. So – even though you're getting people into games, your game is the design. It's, it's worse it's, it's overall, worse. right? It's just worse overall. And so that's why we're calling this a band-aid solution. Because yes, you're getting people into the role, you're lowering queue times. On paper, you're solving the issue. But since people are still really disenfranchised with the role, you're not actually solving the problem. And so one of the contributing factors to this is that there are 75, 75% of the playable characters in Overwatch are DPS characters where only like, let's say 12% and 12% are tank and support. And we'll discuss what this means later on. Um, yeah, but first we'll kind of discuss our last inherent problem with the support class, and that's the helplessness. Um, I do want to say that when, when it comes to helplessness, I kind of said two different uh aspects of it there's the helplessness in the actual game where you're just a weaker character so you're more susceptible to dying or getting caught out or whatever it is and then there's the other one where since you're so reliant on your team even if you're playing well but they're not then it kind of feels like there's nothing you can do in terms of the first one i.e you know it's really easy for you to die um a really pretty decent way to solve this problem is to give support characters some sort of out and it can't be too easy to do but it needs to be possible enough that if they do find themselves in one of these situations where within the design they're supposed to be exploited in that they die you know they gain an advantage there is still a chance that maybe you get out and don't get punished and that's a pretty easy thing to do that just kind of goes with game balance but that can kind of help you feel like even though you're a weaker character it doesn't mean you're just going to be dying all the time Yeah, and so we've broken it down into three categories. There's definitely more, um, but just just for explanation's sake. So the first one's mobility. Some supports, uh, we're going to use Baptiste from Overwatch. He's a support in Overwatch. Uh, They have a limited, and it's, it's the exact thing Connor's talking about. It has to be limited or constrained in some way, because if it's too good, then they're really... It it diminishes their roles as support because they have so much individual, um, prowess they can kind of like overcome too many things uh which you know maybe is backwards design thinking but that's a different discussion (laughs) uh so mobility for baptiste he has an ability where he can crouch and jump out really high so say he's on the ground and there's a ledge up up top and somebody on the ground's attacking him he can just jump up there and that's really nice because a lot of the time if it's say there's like a guy with a big hammer attacking you and you jump onto that ledge then you're safe on the ledge he can't reach you he's got his hammer Unfortunately, exactly as Connor said, it doesn't work all the time because if I have a gun, you jump on that ledge, I'm just going to shoot you on the ledge, right? There's there's not much you can do. And so that's what we're calling this mobility out uh, for all intents and purposes. The second one is a, um, a limited ability that kind of works to inhibit uh, your enemy. And so Ana, who's another support in Overwatch, has a sleep dart where she can put somebody to sleep. The problem is it requires a degree of technical prowess to actually aim, shoot this, and hit your target, especially if they're small, for it to actually work. Um, And this is great for a variety of reasons. One, you have to have technical skill to use this. And two, if you're lucky enough to do it, it puts them asleep and you can run away or wait for your team to show up, whatever. Importantly though, this is a sleep dart, right? You're not shooting them and instantly killing somebody. 
all it's doing is giving you a way to get out and it's not really harming your opponent unless you grab the rest of your team. If you fire your sleep dart, do nothing and they wake up, you're still going to lose. Like you haven't gained any advantage. Um, and so that's, those are, those are the first two. Uh, Connor, do you want to talk about tankiness? Yeah. Tankiness, um, is basically instead of having a way to get out, it's just, you're not going to die. Right. So the reason that this isn't necessarily a problem for other classes, because usually other classes can deal damage. So another class doesn't need to get away because he can just try and fight you. They can just try and say, okay, let's see who wins this battle. You yep. know, when you're a support, you don't really have that option. It's more of a like, I'm going to lose this battle. So I need to run or I need to not die and wait for my team to get there. And that's what tankiness is. Basically it's saying, you're not going to kill them because you don't have the damage, but they're not going to kill you. Exactly. So, I mean, they would eventually, but if it's going to take them longer, that means you have, you know, more time to walk away, run away, or you have more time to stall until your other team can come help you. And so that's just another way that you can kind of limit that helplessness. And I actually do want to talk about one more that is a little bit counterintuitive to something that we want to talk about of, or I guess what we did talk about of not making a support less of a support, because that's a Band-Aid solution, right? You still want to have the support role uh, embody what a support is. But another way that you can kind of mitigate helplessness is giving them some damage. Sure. And what this means is that still in most scenarios, you're not ever going to be able to outduel somebody. But there's a few scenarios that maybe you could. And so you're still weak, but it's still possible. And it's just adding that, you know, statistical probability that you could duel someone that can make you feel great. You could be like, oh, even though I'm the support, even though I'm supposed to be kind of with my teammates and helping them, given the circumstances, I was able to fend for myself. Right. And this is this is distinctly different from just dealing damage at all, because in all of these games, the supports have the ability to deal damage, but they us- but usually the only way they can pick up a kill is just say somebody attacks him who is like super low health, like ridiculously low. They shouldn't have even attacked you in the first place. Great. You can just pummel them to death and it doesn't matter how little damage you deal because they have such low health yeah as like we, as what as what we like to say is you just, you just gotta sneeze on them never go exactly and so what connor's suggesting and i really like how you brought this up it's like designing a support like pike in league of legends um it does, if you don't know who that is it's not really relevant but a support who can distinctly uh deal a little bit of damage to apply that threat to other people and it does two things right it disincentivizes them from attacking you and it incentivizes you it like motivates you to try and kill them if you're given that opportunity mm-hmm. and it's definitely it's, it's hard to do but giving them giving support players that avenue especially if you need support players if you can maybe give them some options like okay you're still supporting but it is kind of like you know the damage dealing character that you like to do well then maybe that'll make it so you don't have a problem where you've got no supports exactly Do you want to introduce the next topic, Connor? Yeah. So the next topic is based off of what a support is, how can you make it better, right? So just if you're embracing the pros and cons, the goods and the bads of the support, and if that is a problem, what can you do to just embrace it and make it better and more appealing to more players? And so this, I think, is maybe more helpful to listeners who actually are trying to design a game because it's less of mitigating the strategies and more of, okay, how do we redesign the game to solve this fundamental issue? So let's go back to our Overwatch example where 75% of the, that's not a correct statistic, but it's regardless, it's a super majority of the heroes in the game are DPS heroes, uh, these attack heroes who want to carry the game, carries essentially, and then a super tiny minority um, are supports and tanks or whatever, ancillary roles. So how, how do we solve this, right? And so when you have, it's almost like a double negative. When you have two people, or when you have so many people who want to play the DPS role that you have to introduce a priority pass system, etc., and all of the characters in the game are DPS heroes, you're like doubly exacerbating the problem. So an obvious solution is to increase the pool of viable support heroes in your game. 
let's say, I mean, to at least be even with DPS heroes, if not more, because sometimes, unfortunately, because it's a less desired role, you're going to need maybe 60, 70% to be um, more varied, right? To be those ancillary roles like tank and support rather than DPS, right? It's almost the reverse as they have it in Overwatch, which has caused problems, admittedly. And so by by adding a bigger variety of heroes, it lets you kind of turn the knobs um, of preference in regards to players who wouldn't normally play support because if you're going to play support you're going to play support but if you have such a big variety of supports it allows those players who maybe would normally play tank or would normally play dps to find a support that works for them so when they have to play the role or when in connor's case say he's just feeling the role like ah, oh, i think i could go for a support game right now they have an option yeah because if you're able to introduce the variety of play style within the support role and the by this variety i mean that even touches on aspects of other roles in the game that's going to make it seem way 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 more appealing right so yeah just like lance said let's say you have a role where you know you got to be tanky like your your role is to go in there and take a lot of damage and then um make it so that you can protect your your teammates so they can deal a lot of damage as a support you can make you can or for supports you can build a support that is also tanky obviously isn't as good as a traditional tank but has elements of that role or elements of that play style so that if you are taking upon yourself to you know be the support you can find something that is going to close close closely fit what you want to do exactly and so this is also directly tied to broadening what it means to support um to be a support in that regard so Maybe you're using a different resource aside from healing. So maybe you're shielding somebody with like a temporary shield instead of healing them. Um, or if you're you're giving them some sort of weird resource, or even at the beginning when we were talking about a support that CCs somebody, uh, stuns them or like applies like these crowd control effects to lock them down rather than healing you. So making your enemies worse rather than making you strictly better. These are all great ways to kind of diversify what it means to be a support. And I do want to say that when you're diversifying what it means to be a support, you can't just give supports different tools. I think you inherently have to incorporate that within the design of your game. And as an example, I'm going to bring, I'm going to, we're going to talk about Overwatch again. Correct me if I'm wrong. It's been a while since I've played, but currently every single support has a healing aspect, right? Uh, yes, in some regard. There are previous supports who are moved to a healing role, but yes, in some way, every support heals. In some every regard. support heals, i.e. gives players health, right? Um, when the game first came out, they had a character in the support tab that didn't heal. She gave a shield, uh, but did not heal. After the game progressed and advanced and they came out with new updates, she moved and reworked into a different character. And now she's a DPS and not a healer or a support. So if you're if you built your game in such a way that you need the supports to heal, then that's kind of introducing a problem problem. And don't get me wrong, I think Overwatch has done a good job in making a lot of different or varying how to heal and different ways to heal. The, supports, to the heal. supports that do exist, exactly. They're super varied. There's just, you know, not enough. Like the, what, it's either five or six now, maybe seven supports in the game that are our supports and they all heal. They do it in very different and completely uh, unique ways. The problem is there's only five to seven of them. Oh yeah. And foundationally you're healing, right? In a game like League of Legends, what a support can add to a team is a lot more varied. Your support couldn't heal at all. And that way you can build a team where, you know, you don't need a support that heals. And if that's inherently within the game that you don't need someone healing you all the time, well, that means you already are able to just diversify and broaden your supports and what it means to be a support. It opens up the design space. I think that's yeah. what Connor's talking about. You, you fall into like an area of lock-in if you make sure that all of your supports heal in some way. But in League's case, when you are able to diversify and provide these broadened avenues to support um, your carries, it allows you to have just a larger design space and to innovate in that regard. 
So let's see, what's next? Okay, so I mean, we just want to drive home. Don't band-aid this problem, right? We're not saying don't make don't make DPS characters that can also support, right? We're not telling you to make overpowered characters or anything of the sort. And fundamentally, these characters still need to feel supportive, right? If that's your intended feel for the game. And to do that, there's a lot of very interesting ways to drive engagement in unintended ways. In an, in an unintended manner. And so in Overwatch, again, I mean, we just talked about how it has a lot of problems, but something it does well is Ana, who is a support with a sniper rifle that heals. So all of your bullets heal friendlies and damage enemies. Now, don't get me wrong. There are some players who play this character just to be a support who snipes enemies, but the designers knew this was going to happen and your bullets are, you know, admittedly less effective than an actual sniper um, on, on enemies. On friendlies, however, literally you get to pretend you're being a sniper, you get to use your accuracy and everything, use your aim skills, and you get to, to shoot people and shoot teammates and heal them, which is a really, really interesting way to incorporate this role. Yeah, and, and connected to this, I think these kind of go hand in hand. As well as what you want to make it interesting and drive engagement, you also want to make it technically difficult in obviously a way that's fun so that these support players can support in a way that's really impressive and they can really strive to say, oh, I could do this better, I could have done this better and you know, get better and better and better. If you're simply just, you know, in the case with Mercy, and like I said, we're using Mercy just because she has some simple healing mechanics. There's a lot of mm, parts to Mercy that you can master and like obviously a good Mercy versus a bad Mercy, there's a ton of differences. But again, with Mercy, you simply just point at a character and heal them, right? Absolutely. If you can have the way that you're supporting the character, if that is healing, if you can make it so there's, you know, either more applications of that or, you know, it is harder to do, you know, there's certain circumstances where it's better or worse, it's just going to make the character more interesting and make the player have to work for it in terms of they have to really, you know, they actually have to put an effort to support rather than just saying, I'm just supporting because that's what I have to do. Absolutely, yeah. And so fundamentally, it's just it's just a good way to design um, in, in that regard. And so that ties directly into ensuring that these people have technical prowess, right? Like if, if a support, as we just talked about with Ana, if Ana has the ability to encourage a player who's playing support to use accuracy and shoot people, then that's really productive for tying people who maybe would be more interested in the DPS role into that support role. And it does so in a way that doesn't compromise the integrity of what a support is. You're still healing your teammates. Your job is best suited to help your team. And all of your abilities can be used either offensively or defensively to empower your team rather than take away from them in some way. So now that we've kind of talked about that, there's one last point that we want to address in terms of like the general improvements for altering the role of a support um, in, in games. And this is the idea of responsibilities that are like tying meta responsibilities into the actual gameplay, which sounds really awkward. Um, so we'll kind of flesh it out. Connor, do you want to kind of discuss what's going on here? Yeah, so... In the design of a game, there's obviously more aspects than just, okay, you go here, you shoot this person, you try and kill them, you win, right? Um, I'm going to talk about League of Legends because I know that a lot better than Overwatch. Um, when you're playing League of Legends, you're on a map and there's fog of war. That means there's areas where you can't see what's happening. So there could be somebody there, but you don't know. So there's a system in place that's vision, right? You can place like a a totem that says, okay, I'm now showing you what's going on here. And that's really important, especially as you get, you know, games with better and better players. Knowing where people are and what they're doing, how they're doing it, is just a part of League of Legends. And, you know, it's good. I think it adds a lot to the game. And it directly converts to success in the game. Too. Yeah. Yeah. But the main, per the person who is mostly responsible for acquiring this vision, right, you know, playing around this design aspect of the game is the support. And this is somewhat built in uh, to the game because the support item uh, that you buy uh, kind of gives you that ability, but it's given to the support characters. And 
this is nice because when you are supporting, it gives you another responsibility that is kind of your own thing, right? When you're the support in League of Legends, you say, hey, I've got to go get vision. This is going to help my team. This is kind of something that I get to do. You know, the other other parts of the team aren't really focused on it. And that's really cool because giving giving the support those responsibilities can help with that you always have to be with your team and always have to be doing things in accordance with your team, what they're doing, what you know your teammates are doing. Giving them a responsibility that's detached can make it feel like you can make yourself busy, be useful without having to directly be supporting someone. I think it's a nice way to supplement the power loss in being a support by giving you responsibility. So you're supplementing power, a decrease in power with an increase in responsibility, which exactly as you said is a really great way to do it because you're not necessarily more powerful by having to place all these words. You are just more valuable to the team, I guess, if mm. that makes sense. And I do want to say that a lot of the times, a lot of the times, this, these, you know, elements of the game that they're just kind of given to the support role. Now I'll go to Overwatch. So in Overwatch, every character has an ultimate ability, but you have to charge it up over a certain time. It's usually the role of the support character to keep track of the enemy's uh, ultimate charge bars, right? So they have to say like, oh, hey, you know, this person has their ult soon or they have their ult, we got to watch out. And that, anyone could do that. Yep. Anyone, there's not, you know, there's not prevent, you're not, anyone is has the ability to keep track of how close the enemies are to using their ultimate ability. But just as the game meta has built and the game's been out, the supports do that. And admittedly, sometimes the tanks do that too, but it's an ancillary role. It's never the DPS who are tracking ultimates. And I would argue that the tanks already have enough to do. So to give the supports this information in gameplay rather than just as like a meta responsibility as something that is just done is really important. And that kind of brings us to our our last topic, which are these, our concluding thoughts, but then also these future strategies where we really want to emphasize this direct translation of meta information into gameplay information. So if you think of most games that where there is like a healing or support class, Every, not every, but most of these games have a system where the support can see the health of the team, whereas no one else on the team can, because it's not necessary information, right? Like you need to know your own health, but you don't really need to know. I don't need to know Connor's health if both of us are DPS. It's just, there's no reason for me to know that information. With the support, if I was a support in that exact same game, usually I'm given that information just because, okay, my job is to heal you. So it's really important for me to know what Connor's health is with Lance's health is, whatever. Um, and so it would be just as easy for only the supports to receive information on enemy ultimates. Okay, maybe if I have vision on an enemy, I could just see like a percentage or some sort of icon that shows me a gauge of what their um, their ultimate status is. And if, only, if I'm the only one on the team who can see that, or me and a fellow support are the only ones on the team who can see that, then that empowers me to share that information with my team Regardless of the communications, even if in the, wow, I can't speak. Even if the communication system in play is really bad, this giving this information only to me converts this meta system into a gameplay system, which is really, really cool. And it directly solidifies the responsibility into the supporting role. Yeah. And like I said, since the support needs a little bit of love because they're not as impactful in some ways, um, this is, I think, a really healthy thing to do. And Although you need to give them the tools to do it, I also think that you also maybe should give some sort of incentive for them to do it. Because I do think that a lot of the times these responsibilities that are given to supports are usually kind of high-level concepts. That is, you can kind of ignore them and still play the game. Definitely. But if you want to be a better player, it's really something you have to consider. And that's like very apparent in League of Legends. Um Vision is a huge thing. Like if you've got more vision, if you know how to play with vision and how to utilize it, you're just going to be better. Um, but at you know lower levels of play, it's just not really something that people try to deal with, just because they don't really know or you know just don't really have the skill set to do it. But let's say there were some incentive to kind of force players to use this, then I think it would make it. I mean, this is maybe addressing a different problem, but making it so the support feels like they should be doing that and giving that, getting that information for the team. So, for example, I mean, in League of Legends, 
they have, you have a vision score. So if you produce a lot of vision for your team, you have a higher score, but how, why not produce that into gold? Right. Every time you place a ward, every you get time, X amount of gold. Every time gold. you place, or every time you have a ward that doesn't die or that every time you have a ward that reveals an enemy, you get some gold. I mean, don't get me wrong. I don't know how this would affect the balance of the game, but I do think that would be something interesting to consider. If you are giving both the tools and the incentives for these support players to utilize that information, it would be more widespread across, you know, all levels of play. Definitely. And I I think that's a really great suggestion. And for most of these, the infrastructure is already there. For League, it's a little bit harder because you're there's no system in place to tell you who the support is, but maybe if it's if you have the support item, you get that benefit, mm-hmm. which would that would that would work. But in Overwatch now, because of role queue, you literally know who the support is, right? So implementing support based systems is as easy as checking what their role is and doing it. I, I mean, obviously, I'm not trying to downplay the programmatical things, but these are AAA companies that can handle that. Um, but yeah, is there anything else you want to say in in this regard, Connor? Um, no, I guess maybe kind of. A leaving point again is that when it comes to team-based games and it comes to different roles, just like with anything else, you can take sports as an example. Um, people are going to be more accustomed and you know attracted to different roles because they have different pros, different cons, and usually it balances out pretty well. Um, and that's great. If in any case that it doesn't balance out pretty well and this happens a lot with the sports. You just got to give them some extra love. You got to give them some help. You got to try and say, hey, since more people don't really want to play you, let's do, let's give them away. Let's give them some incentives. Let's make the role a little bit better because that way your game's going to be better and you're still going to get the intended benefit of having a support role. Because like I said before, being in a support, having a support and being a support when it's, you know, plays how it's supposed to is really, really fun. And, just like Lance has said that he's a support player, I also love playing support. And when it feels good, it feels so good. But it can just be harder sometimes. So, Yeah, that's how it goes. Up. And so this discussion was mainly directed at, at those middle people, the people who are who would play support if they were given a little bit more, you know, an, a push, an oomph. Um, if you already play support and everything we said, you're like, mm, I don't know if I agree. I think Mercy's super engaging. Perfect. You're who we want. You're the people we love. Um, and you can take all of this with a grain of salt. All of these suggestions are to make it so you're not alone. It's not just you playing the support role. And for DPS players, I urge you to consider and try these things out because games are getting more and more intelligent with making supports that are engaging, compelling, and fun. So that's all we have for you today. Um, I'm sorry that this is a little bit late, but we're back on schedule and next week we will have another amazing episode. So I will see you then.